He's a native Texan, a student of Ben Franklin and John Locke, and he's a Christian conservative political activist. He's a true believer in the principles that this country was founded upon and comes to you every day to guide, advise, and lead you to become involved in the greatest political experiment in the history of our planet, self-governance. We don't get fooled again. He's Matt Long, and this is The Matt Long Show. Good morning, folks. So happy to be here with you on an absolutely drop-dead gorgeous morning in the hill country of Texas. And uh, there's no uh, no blockage on the um, Highway 16 this morning, unless you count that little white car that decided the day was just a great day to drive down 16 at about 45 miles an hour uh, between Fredericksburg and Kerrville. Um, 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 <laughs> So um, anyway, if I forget, if I forget um, and don't mention this during the show, uh, make sure that you are um, nice to the tourists this weekend, even if they are driving little white cars and going 40 miles an hour in a 70. But uh, so, yeah, just just be patient, be kind, be loving. I know it's not always easy. Um that's why I try to leave town every weekend. Uh, that's not true. I'm here most of the weekends. Um, but it seems like a lot in the fall when we get into this uh, this time of the year that uh, it's uh, there's something going on out of town somewhere, whether it's family or, or, or uh, political organizations or tea parties or something like that. Uh, seems like there's all kinds of uh, Saturday meetings going on, and I guess I will be on the road again this afternoon. Um, headed up to uh, the secret squirrel meeting in an undisclosed location. Quarterly meetings of grassroots conservative grass, grassroots leaders across the state, and um, we are a force to be reckoned with. I have to tell you, and uh, and so uh, it's hard to miss any one of the secret squirrel meetings. So keep me in your prayers this weekend um, as I travel. And uh, there you go. And keep the secret squirrels in your prayers. Lots of work to do for conservatives across the state. Um, we've got some things on your calendar. Sorry about all the allergies and the noise I'm making. Um, but, uh, boy, the allergies hit me this week hard. Uh, we got some uh, things for your calendar. The Kerr County Patriots are going to be meeting on Monday, 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 the 24th. Third at six o'clock at four fifty one Guadalupe Street in Kerrville. I do not have an agenda for them. It's very likely that I was sent one, so um, uh, but I do not have it in front of me right now. But that's always a good meeting. Those are good people. You know the Kirk County Patriots, we the People, Liberty in Action, and the Fredericksburg Tea Party. We work together on all kinds of things. In fact, we're all we are. We have. We're like a like a union of states. Uh, each of those three groups is independent and, and, and make decisions and act on their own, and yet we come together to form a more perfect union of conservatives. And so uh, that is what we are all about. We're free, each three groups, free and independent of one another, but we come together um, for for the sake of coming together and being a larger organization 
to fight the um, the uniparty state we are now living in. I think we got more and more evidence that this is the Republican and Democrat Party. There is little space between them, and all you Republicans out there are going, oh, no, no, there's a big difference, I, and I, I, there's really not anymore, um, as evidenced by um, Republican uh, parties across the state. I believe one of them was up in... Uh, uh, oh, I can't remember the name of the now, town now, Colleyville or somewhere where that they're, they're just all up and all just all crazy about voting yourself money out of the, in this, uh, constitutional election coming up. But anyway, I'm not going to get sidetracked there, but we are unified fighting the uniparty. Um, and that is the Kerr County Patriots. We, the people, Liberty in action and the Fredericksburg Tea Party, Kerr County Kerr County Patriots meeting Monday night at 6 o'clock, Guadalupe Street in Kerrville. On the 24th, that would be next Tuesday, TNM, Texas Nationalist Movement, is meeting at the Fredericksburg Social House at 6 o'clock. That is Tuesday. If you want more information about that, go to tnm.me. T is in Texas, N as in nationalist, and M as in movement, dot me, T-N-M dot me. Um, man, I hope that's right. I'm going by memory. For some reason, that doesn't sound right. Someone will co- correct me. Um, Texas nationalist movement, look it up. Um, then on the 27th, uh, the Freedom Fest, and this is a uh, a uh, um, a an event put together by We the People, Liberty, and Action, along with... Kerr County Patriots, along with the Fredericksburg Tea Party. This is the third annual one. The last two were outside in the park and lots of loud music and, and games and, and fun for the kids. Face painting. I did, I can't remember if I got my face painted. I may have gotten a little bit of a face painting. I don't remember now. But that was last year. So the third annual Freedom Fest is uh, this next Friday, uh, Western Hills Baptist Church in Kerrville. And I'll get you more details as we get closer to that. Unfortunately, I am out of town. We've got a family uh, uh, a family gathering um, that weekend. And so Gail and I will be uh, out of town that weekend. And uh, let's see, we have, before we take a break, I've got some words of wisdom from Poor Richard's Almanac, and this is from the old Poor Richard's Almanac. You know, it became new and improved. Um, I just love it that there's nothing new under the sun, right? Um, if you look at Poor Richard's Almanac from one year to the next, it went it went from Poor Richard's Almanac to Poor Richard's Improved Almanac. And uh, it'd be interesting to see what the new one looked like compared to the old one. I've only held one original copy of Poor Richard's Almanac in my hand, and it was so cool. Um, it was uh, in plastic, but at least I could see the front and the back of it, and it was really neat to hold that in my hand and actually see that the ink on that paper was placed there by Benjamin Franklin and be able to hold that in my hand. It was so cool. So this is Poor Richard's Almanac before it was new and improved in 1738. And um, let's go with this one. The noblest question in the world. The noblest question in the world is, 
What good may I do in it? What good can I do in this world? There is no more nobler question, according to Ben Franklin. All right, we're going to take a short break. Y'all stay tuned for the local news, and uh, we'll be right back. He's a teacher and activist. In an effort to alleviate the effects of the anyone, anyone? And your host. Anyone? Matt Long on the Hill Country Patriot. Anyone? The Hill Country Patriot. Right, we are back. Thank you so much for staying tuned. Thank you for tuning in to the Matt Long Show on the Hill Country Patriot. I'm here every uh, every every weekday morning from 9 a.m. to 10. I follow the the great Harley David Ballou, and I open up for the more awesome and amazing Lorraine Lemon. And uh, boy, she's got uh, she's got a big event planned for tonight, and uh, I'm sure she's going to tell you all about it. Uh, when she gets in here. So let's talk about what's going on in the third special session. There is an article in uh, the Texas scorecard, and it says, as the Texas House moves slowly, is school choice in peril? And then the, uh, the author, Brandon Walton, says a fourth special session appears to be increasingly likely. Now, Brandon Walton's has spoken, I think, at least three times in the last month here in the Hill Country, it, this it really is his specialty. And so when he writes an article saying, I don't think we're going to get through this special session with school choice, this is a, a man of experience and uh, wisdom and knowledge about what goes on up at the Capitol. And I have to agree with him that it's looking less and less likely that um, we're going to get school choice. And uh, there's several reasons. First of all, it's very obviously being slow rolled, all right? Um, the Texas House, if they want to move quick, they can. During the first special session this year, and the governor had, um, had uh, um, the, the, the order was a property tax, I believe, uh, it was a property tax relief. Um, thing, uh, plan, and that was what uh, the governor wanted. And uh, so the House on day were out by the end of day two. They came up with a bill. They put it forward, voted on it. I think they may have had, they have to, you have to have a public hearing. I think they had a quickly scheduled public hearing and it passed out of the House. And rather than go through the process of negotiation, because that's the way it works between the House and the Senate, uh, very often they will come up with their own bills. Not very often. It happens all the time. They come up with their own bills on a certain topic. In some cases, those bills are identical, and it's done that way on purpose. So you'll have someone in the House and someone in the Senate uh, present a bill, um, uh, file a bill that is uh, that is identical, and so they can both move forward. And if no changes are made, which is actually kind of rare, but if no changes are made in the bill, then it is a it's quickly a done deal. And so 
they you got both of them passed and then the other one gets sent over to the other house and they go oh that's the uh, uh the other chamber and they say oh that's the same as the one we just passed so yes we we agree on this one and uh, so a bill gets through real can get real done real quick that way and the texas house showed they are completely capable of doing so if you look at the first special session now here's the trick they pulled in the first special session they said um they said, here's our bill. We don't care what the Senate comes up with. We're not going to sign on to anything that the Senate is coming out with. Now, they didn't say all this public, but in their action, this is what they were at, what they were doing because they presented the bill, they sent it over to the Senate, and then they dismissed Sine Die. What does that mean? That means that was the last meeting, and the Speaker of the House has the ability to do that. So they met for, t- I think, two or three days, um, they took this vote, they created this bill, took the vote, and dismissed in three days and uh, sent it up to the Senate and said, take it or leave it. And the Senate, of course, that was all they had because you're not going to get together and have, say, a conference committee to where you could work out the differences between the House and the Senate. And the House just said, take it or leave it and send it up. So we know for a fact that the House is fully capable of 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 uh, uh, hammering in um, what's I'm losing the word of uh, yeah gaveling in thank you gaveling in taking care of business and going home within two to three days they're perfectly capable of doing that and yet what happened when the third special session started we the house has met for a total of something like seventeen minutes and I saw that in an article it may be longer than that. But it hasn't met once. Let's see. When the House met on Thursday, they did so for six minutes. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was yesterday. When the House met yesterday, they did so for six minutes. All right. And uh, then, they, then they headed on. Now, there are, that doesn't mean that nobody was doing any work. They had committees. They did get uh, permission for committees to start working and start meeting. And they did schedule a a committee hearing. There was one yesterday in the state affairs, and it had to do with, it was House Bill 4, uh, which had to do with um, uh, illegal illegal entry into into uh, uh, into Texas. And so I'm not sure if House Bill 4 had a was equivalent to the uh, the one in that came out of the Senate. No, it wasn't. See, the Senate already passed a bill like this, and so this one is not. Uh, this one doesn't look like it is the same one, and so we could get two bills, one out of the House um, and one out of the Senate, that are both the the same idea, but but on uh, but on uh, uh, have different variations, variations on a theme. Let's put it that way. And uh, so what can they do? They need to get together behind one of these bills. Well, if the House isn't meeting, and let me see, when is the next time they're going to meet? I think it is this Monday afternoon. Yes, this coming Monday afternoon is the next time the House is going to meet. Now, we're halfway through the session. There's only 30 days in the session. Monday, we will be halfway through that calendar. And um, so... If we're going to get school choice, we may get something on the border. I'm not sure. Um, 
if we get I, I I'm at this point in time I'm predicting no school choice in the third special session. It's not going to happen. One of the reasons is is the House has the Republican, the transpublican leadership of the Texas House, who is being helped along by the likes of uh, Dade Phelan and um, oh, what's my Ellen Troxclair? That's my uh, representative. They're being helped along, Dade Phelan, and the House that is run by Democrats uh, being helped along by our both of our local representatives here in the Hill Country. They they don't want to deal with school choice. They, they don't want to do it. Um, I think uh, there was some emails out uh, from uh, Ellen Troxclair that says, oh, we're going to get school choice. Well, Ellen, I've never heard you stand up at the back mic and fight for anything to get school choice out of this session is going to take a fighter. And I have not seen a fighter in Ellen Troxclair yet. And so I don't know what she's bragging about, but I don't, there's, she's not going to push it. She's not going to push anything very hard. Um, and then she voted for Dade Phelan, like right on day one. So you can tell where her, that not only did she vote for him on day one, but she's been raising money with Dade had one one fundraiser that for sure we've gotten the flyer on, and then uh, flyers being sent out by Dade Phelan in her name. That means she's working with Dade Phelan and uh, accepting his money, and uh, that uh, we know where that leads you with uh, Dade Phelan. So they um, we're not going to get anybody fighting for school choice in the Texas House. Not anybody out of the Hill Country. I know that um, I know that on an older school choice bill, I am about ninety five percent certain that Andy Murr voted against it. I'd have to go back and look, but I'm nearly positive on that. Now, the um, we, we've had an education committee for many many years. It's been run by a Democrat for quite some time. Um, in fact, one of the few Democrats that I have some respect for. Basically, every time I hear him give a little bit of a speech from the back mic, which he goes to quite a bit, I am I'm impressed. I'm impressed with this guy. He is a Democrat and he's voted against uh, a lot of things I believe in. But he's one of I'm telling you, he's one of these people, I think, whose heart and soul is in the right place. And he might even be a Republican given another day. Um, So anyway, instead of that committee taking this up this committee that's been working together now and and they all know each other uh dade feeling in june last year created a new committee it's called the house select committee on education opportunity and enrichment and here's the key point of that most of those committees um most of the members of that committee during the reg- regular legislative session see we had a We had a school choice bill during the regular session, and it didn't get through. And most of the people on that committee voted against or refused to cast a vote on school choice. All right. So we had uh, Republican Ashby, Republican Bell, and Republican King um all uh, decided uh, they were going to vote with the democrats and so this is a committee made up of democrats and transpublicans 
And uh, this is where the Speaker of the House is sending that bill. So the chances of getting a clean school choice bill are, I'm next to nothing, next to nothing. In fact, um, I'm going to I'm gonna make, go ahead and make a prediction right now that we will not get a school choice bill out of the third special session. And I don't know if the governor has the political capital to uh, call for a sporth, fourth special session for a bill that couldn't get out of the regular and uh, couldn't get out of any of the specials. Just not sure at what point does the governor say, all right, we're not getting school choice this year. But, boy, he sure made a big commitment on it, didn't he? He's been traveling all over the state for school choice. And uh, one man, Dade Phelan, is going to put the kibosh on that. And um, if you have not seen the Texas heist yet on Texas Scorecard, it's about a 37-minute movie they came out with about a month ago. And it clearly lays out the evidence that the Texas House is run and controlled by Democrats, even though Republicans have a majority. And there's proof in the pudding here. School choice is one of those Republican issues that we have been fighting for for years and years. And if you have an R by your name and you're serving in the Texas House, it ought to be something you are behind and willing to work for, but apparently it's not. They'll brag a lot and send out flyers how they're all about school choice, but they won't fight for it. They're like a, one of them little plastic uh, wind-up toys. You get them all wound up and they, they, they get nowhere. All right, so that's, that's what's going on. Um, that's my prediction and uh, don't take it to the bank, but uh, feel free to laugh at me when uh, this passes, uh, if and when it passes in the next two weeks. Not looking good. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. I'm going to talk about some border issues and some bills being presented um, in the House that you may find interesting. 100% text on He's 100% Texan. <laughs> Matt Log on the Hill Country Patriot. Next time till I die. All right, it is Friday, and um, if I forget to say it again, if I forget to say it again. Um, be nice to the tourists. And, yeah, there's no hip-hop today. Last Friday was a hip-hop Friday. If you did, I'm actually, I'm, I'm a little bit, uh, I'm, I'm a little bit uh, butthurt um, over my show last Friday, um, which is not getting my regular average podcast listens. It's about half of what I normally get on a podcast. Um, man, if you didn't listen to the hip-hop show last Friday, the Christian hip hop show last Friday, uh, boy, you're missing out something. All right, you're missing out on something. So, um, our friend Sheena Rodriguez. Oh, before I get to that, where can you find those podcasts? Well, you can go to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, you can look for the Matt Long Show, the Matt Long Show, 
And uh, the title for last Friday's show was a hip-hop show? Question mark. Um, and it was good. Christian hip-hop, absolutely amazing. All right, so here we go. Back to uh, Sheena Rodriguez. Uh, there are two new files, uh, two new bills having been filed in the third special session having to do with border security and having having to do with the children. You know, Sheena has been covering a lot of issues uh, that go along with the border. She helped break that story about the colony, the, the colonia, um, and she has. But since I've known her, her biggest engagement has been to do with children. Where do these unaccompanied minor children, where do they go and what happens with them? And there have not only has Sheena followed this, but a number of other people uh, at the national level. And I'm telling you what, Sheena, as much as she goes to Washington and testifies now in in D.C., she's going to become one of these nationally uh, recognized um, advocates for unaccompanied minors. I really believe so. Um, She's done a lot of research on that. And so one of her um, one of her bills that is filed, and these are House Bill 162 and 163. And you can call the governor and ask him to add these to the um, uh, the call. Um, a call they'd feel and ask him to bring those, assign them to a committee. But what what happens with these unaccompanied minors is very often they uh, the the feds, of course, pick them up. Um, many many of these kids have a, a phone number. All right, on a piece of paper, or I've even heard that it was written on a shirt, that the phone number was on the the T-shirt. And so the idea is when they get here, they're supposed to, the the federal government says, well, what do we do with these kids? And here's a phone number, and they go, well, this is an easy one. We'll get rid of this kid. Call that number and have them come pick them up. Now, I'm making it sound very simple, but some of the research I've seen in some of the articles and uh, even a a movie um, documentary about this have shown that these kids are we don't know who they're being turned over to most of the time we don't even know if they're if they're even family we don't even know if it's even if it is um, cartel member that they, they just got cut loose on the other side of the border by a cartel member. They got this phone number on. They, they make it across the river. The federal government picks them up, calls the number, and delivers them into the hands of another cartel person. Um, there have been stories out in the last uh, over the last year that show when they've tried to follow up on these kids, they've found sometimes an address that had taken four or five kids in. And somebody, an intrepid reporter or uh, a concerned citizen like uh, Sheena or someone like that will go and knock on the door and just by the person opening the door and seeing what it looks like just through the open door can tell you this is not good. These kids are not being sent to the right people. The There is something like, and I can't remember the number, but it's something like 80,000 of these kids that have crossed in the last couple of years we've lost track of the federal government doesn't even know where they are or who they're with so these bills house bill 162 and 163 have to do 
with when there is an unaccompanied minor coming across the bo- the border that will this will 162 will enact the legal requirement for every single child to remain in a residential child detention facility all right and we're not talking about all uh, a a a big cage but we're talking about an organization um, the uh, uh, residential child detention facility, the creation of these, and they have a whole bunch of of of, uh, of rules on how and who can run these. Um, but one of the things that needs to be done, and uh, I don't see it in here, uh, f- uh, in 162, but um, and I'm not sure if it's in 163. Um, uh, yeah, here we go. In 163 says that these HHS con- contracted facilities housing unaccompanied minors need to be licensed by the state. And so we can have a state licensing of these. And, um, you know, this is one of the areas where it's creating more government and bigger government. And yet in this case, this is perhaps something the government ought to be doing is uh, to keep these, um, take care of these kids before they get trafficked by the federal government. So if you want to help get these through, uh, go check out Sheena Rodriguez's um, Substack, um, and uh, uh, it's called An Alliance for a Safe Texas, Alliance for a Safe Texas, or let me see her Substack website is... Uh, Sheena Rodriguez.substack.com. Sheena Rodriguez.substack.com. And she's got a ton of great information there. She does some great video web uh, uh, podcasts, um, but in uh, ways for you to get involved. And uh, so there we go. Securetheborder.us, another door into the world of Sheena Rodriguez and her fight to. Uh, save children, trafficked children, securetheborder.us is probably the easiest way to find, and then you can follow the links um, to her Substack article. So what's going on this next? I was just talking about how the Texas legislature, uh, the House is slow rolling everything. Uh, The Senate got out and had all of their committee meetings the second and third day of the session and um, sent those bills down to the House. That was in the first week. We are now entering the third week this coming Monday for the special session. State affairs for this next week, I'm sorry, the House for this next week has um, two two, uh, committees that are meeting. One of them is Monday morning at 10 o'clock. It is the Appropriations Committee. And right now on that agenda is only House Bill 6 relating to the making and appropriation for the construction, operation, and maintenance of border barrier infrastructure. All right, so there uh, the um, Appropriations Committee is meeting on Monday to uh, make an appropriation for a some kind of border barrier infrastructure. On Tuesday, the Calendars Committee is meeting. Now, here's what's interesting. I'm not even sure if the calendars committee is even 
um, public access. In fact, there is a, um, I've been to a, con, a, a calendars meeting one time and it was in a, a conference room and I had to stand out on up against the wall. Um, so these, ca- these calendars committees are, I'm not sure they don't even meet in great big open places and, uh, they're just meeting to consider a calendar. So that is over halfway through the special session calendars committee. I believe that's run by Dustin Burroughs. It is that guy's got to go. Dustin Burroughs got to go. He's got a challenger as well. Maybe we'll talk about that sometime. Um, but, uh, yeah, the calendars committee with Dustin Burroughs, that is a choke point that is held by speaker Dade Phelan. It is where bills go to die, um, under the leadership of Dade Phelan and those who voted for him. Listen, everybody who voted for Dade Phelan takes a part of the responsibility for his behavior in the house. And if you dare tell me that your vote wouldn't didn't make a difference, oh my Lord have mercy. If I ever hear that again, I didn't even know how to reply to that when I first heard it out of Ellen Troxclair's office. The day after she voted for uh, Dade Phelan, I went in and I just said, you know, I, I understand maybe why she's a freshman and she doesn't want to upset the card and and, of course, her office all smiled and agreed with me and then said, you know, really, her, vo- her, her vote wouldn't have made a difference. That, that didn't even, the, the importance of that statement did not hit me, honestly, until several days later, maybe even longer than several days, maybe even a week or two. But it has been in my craw ever since. Um, all that back to the um, Dustin Burroughs, who's head of the Calendars Committee, is one of the lapdogs for Dade Phelan. And uh, so the Calendars Committee is just out meeting, and they're going to consider a calendar. I'm hoping that also means that they're going to create a calendar. I hope they're doing more than just considering it. Um, but maybe that's what that means uh, in legalese. Maybe that means they're going in there to create a schedule. Um, and uh, so that's the 24th. So right now, there's no reason for anybody to go up to the Capitol next week. I think it would be a waste of time for you to drive up there on Monday morning for the Appropriations Committee, um, who will just, um, they've got one bill. It'll probably be even over before you even know it got started. Um, No point in going up Tuesday if they add more committee hearings next week. Of course, if they're of of importance, I'll go up there and be glad to join anybody that wants to meet me up there. In fact, Mr. Nash, maybe if you want to join me again, we'll... uh, we'll We had a two-man party there from the Hill Country last week. Um, So... Folks, y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. And, um, yeah, we'll be right back. He doesn't just complain into a microphone. Blah, 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 blah. Matt Long on the Hill Country Patriot. All right, we are back. It is Friday. 
Friday, and I believe I saw Lorraine already pull up. She's ready to come in here and rock your world, and um, I am ready to go and uh, rock my world. Got plenty to do today. I uh, think I've got a honeydew list from my keeper, and uh, so that's uh, what we're going to be uh, working on today. Maybe get some more work done outside. Um, I do want to... Um, I, I want to finish up. We haven't done this in a while. Um, I want to finish up the program today with something out of the Founder's Bible. And uh, this is from Mark 7. And in Mark 7, 21, 20 to 23, talks about the hearts of men. And uh, we're going to get to that verse here in a second. But crime is the bane of any civilized society every year governments spend billions of dollars in their attempts to prevent crime and punish criminals unfortunately however crime will never be completely prevented by such efforts for government addresses only outward behavior and jesus tells us that this is not the source of crime here we go, Mark seven twenty one. From within, out of the heart of men, proceed the evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All of these evil things proceed from within and defile the man. Crime must be dealt with on the inside. Therefore, the only sure way to prevent crime is to address the heart, a truth fully understood by the Founding Fathers. As Thomas Jefferson affirmed, the precepts of philosophy and of the Hebrew Code laid hold of actions only. Jesus pushed his scrutinies into the heart of man, erected his tribunal in the region of his thoughts, and purified the waters at the fountainhead. Christian principles go beyond merely attempting to regulate or restrain outward behavior. Consider murder as an example. Civil law prohibits it, so how can Christianity contribute anything more? Because Christianity addresses murder before it occurs, while it is still only a thought in the heart. The true effectiveness of the teachings of Christianity is that, as Jefferson expressed it, they purify the waters at the fountainhead. John Quincy Adams summarized this principle. He said, human legislators can undertake only to prescribe the actions of men. They acknowledge their inability to govern and direct the sentiments of the heart. It is one of the greatest marks of divine favor bestowed upon the children of Israel that the legislator, and that's with a capital L and a capital T, God gave them rules not only of action, but for the government of the heart. Only the Bible provides effective rules for the government of the heart and thus prevents the external crimes that originate internally. Significantly, statistical evidence validates the effectiveness of this approach through a comparison of government-run and faith-based prisons. Now, I'm going to step away from here because I've never heard of a faith-based prison. 
So um, if you have, uh, I'd be, be interested to hear about that. So back to the uh, article in the, the company's Mark 7 in the Founder's Bible. Faith-based prisons operate in a number of states, and prisoners sent to faith-based prisons still serve their full sentence just as if they were in a state prison. But government prisons focus on controlling the external behavior of an incarcerated prisoner, while faith-based prisons focus on reforming the inside. In government-run prisons, 67% of inmates within two years of their release will commit a crime that returns them to prison. Now, that is two out of every three. Two out of every three um, prisoners released within two years will commit a crime. But only 8% of those incarcerated in a faith-based prison will return. A recidivism rate of 85% lower than the government rate. And by the way, there is a, um, there is a uh, reference um, for where that, those numbers come from. If you have a Founder's Bible, they didn't just pull those numbers out of the air. They do have a reference for them there. So consider also the era of drug abuse. The average cure rate for those in government-run drug rehab program is under 20%, but the cure rate for faith-based drug rehab programs, such as those offered by Teen Challenge, never heard of that group, is over 70%. Thus, faith-based programs reduce the number of repeat drug abusers by almost two-thirds over government programs. And because drug-related crimes account for about one-fourth of all crimes, Reducing the number of drug users directly reduces theft, burglary, and other property crimes committed to obtain money to support a drug habit. If government rejects the assistance the Bible offers, it will utilize extensive manpower and expend massive financial sums attempting to restrain behavior that is the external manifestation of internal chaos, and disorder. Signer of the Declaration, Benjamin Rush, warned that if America ever ceased promoting biblical principles in the public arena, then we would waste so much time and money in punishing crimes and take so little pains to prevent them. Signer of the Constitution, James McHenry, the Secretary of War under President George Washington and John Adams, agreed and he said, in vain, without the Bible, we increase penal laws and draw entrenchments around our institutions. Bibles are strong entrenchments. Where they abound, men cannot pursue wicked courses. The Founding Fathers, understanding that all crime comes from the heart, therefore took deliberate steps to ensure that biblical principles were promoted throughout the culture. As a result, their crime weight was very low. In fact, James Kent, a, quote, father of American jurisprudence and the highest-ranking judicial office official in the state of New York, noted that in his courts he had only eight murder convictions in 16 years. When misbehavior is not controlled by the internal restraints provided through the scriptures, the only other means to restrain it is sheer force. 
what father what founding father james or otis described as the point of a sword and what Jim, john quincy adams called the law of the tiger or the shark perhaps perhaps robert winthrop a speaker of the u.s house and a contemporary of john quincy adams and daniel webster best summarized the difference between the two approaches when he declared men in a word must necessarily be controlled either by a power within them or a power without them. In other words, on the outside of them, either by the word of God or by the strong arm of man, either by the Bible or the bayonet. The word of God is the much preferred choice over government coercion and force. The Bible is the best weapon civil authorities have in fighting crime. All of that to accompany um, Luke, did I say Luke? Mark 7, because there Christ tells us that, that our crime and the evil all comes from within. Everything starts within, and yet our form of government only concentrates on the external. And you can never, you're not ever going to get any, you're not ever going to get anywhere. If you want to know what the answer is of what's this world coming to these days and what's up with these kids and no respect for the law, I have to tell you there is pretty much um, only one place that comes from. We have stopped addressing the inside and all we're doing is fighting the outside. And as a culture, we need to start embracing biblical teachings in the public square once again. That's the only way to clean up this mess, not from the outside, but from the inside. All right, y'all stay tuned for Lorraine, and we'll see y'all on Monday.